Welcome to episode 96. It's our seventh standalone edition of the G2 on 5G. It's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. And today, Anshul and I welcome Mark Ruan, Executive Vice President and Chief Network Officer for Dish Wireless. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Hey, thank you uh, for having me here today. Awesome. Well, let's get started. So just to set some context, there's no question that Dish is leading the charge with a highly virtualized greenfield 5G cloud native network. And it's akin to what Rakuten has been doing for quite some time. Rakuten has obviously stumbled a little bit as uh, this is all new, the whole notion of disaggregation. But I'm wondering, Mark, has what you've seen with Rakuten changed any of your strategy in deploying your 5G network? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of Rakuten. I mean, they were the first uh, to try so many new things. Uh, They started um, two or three years before us, I would say three years. And uh, so they didn't have access to technology than we did. Um, they, so they did uh, open run, they virtualized, they used uh, uh, IT uh, hardware, but uh, they did that on 4G um, and they started with 4G, now they have 5G. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were lucky to come at a later stage when uh, we could start with only 5G with a completely um, cloud native software. So when they started, you know, they still had a lot of virtual uh, um, VMs, virtual uh, machines. We don't. We have uh, Kubernetes and CNF. So we were lucky to come in the second generation, if I may say so, where everybody has seen that, yes, Rakuten was leading the pack. That's the way to go. Now, how do we refactor our software and our uh, architecture for for the ambition of Rakuten and Odish is coming? And we are, we are using that re-architecture and refactoring. Uh, Mark, I had a question for you as well. I was wondering how DISH is differentiating itself relative to the more established incumbents like AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon. How will the company you know, vie for enterprise business, which is arguably the lion's share of 5G use cases? Yeah, I think you said it. Uh, we, we are strong believers that uh, the 5G will really uh, show its potential through enterprises. Um, so we have formidable com- uh, competitors, uh, you name them. Um, they have an established uh, knowledge and capability when it comes to consumer and uh, classic uh, distribution of SIM cards and connectivity to enterprises. Um, the way we want to address the market is by uh, being completely open with the enterprise and allowing them to build their own network, virtual network, if you wish. Um, so not selling them what we think they want, but giving them APIs and services that they can tune, that they can consume. So, they, so for example, uh, in our jargon, we call it policy management. The policy management defines how your um, devices will behave. When do you connect to uh, data? For what cost? For what speed? Um, do you switch to Wi-Fi? Do you can you upload your uh, uh, your data or download it? That. Policy management, we want to give the keys to the enterprises so that they can define the policy management based on their use case, their consumers. You know, do, you have, do they have autonomous uh, uh, drones or cars and, or do they have a hospital that they're managing? So the, the, the way they, they, they want to manage their security today, they, they do it themselves, but their mobility, they don't, right? They, they don't have access to managing their mobility. And we want to do the same as security uh, uh, 10 years ago when the, the, the enterprise got the keys of their security. Now we want to give them the key of their connectivity and uh, mobility. Thank you. Let's shift to uh, 
consumer, Mark. And I learned this at the big 5G event Dish presented last year in Denver. And I found it really compelling that the spokesperson was talking about through that investiture of T-Mobile Sprint and Boost that came, came to Dish, as well as some of your MVNO uh, more recent acquisitions that you have almost a million prepaid subscribers. That number may be higher now, I'm not sure, but I'm wondering that that's, that's pretty compelling coming out of the gate to have that subscriber base. How is that gonna factor into the development of discrete 5G services on the consumer side of things? Yeah, so as an architect, I see uh, consumers as enterprise. It's, it's a MVN or it's a consumer, it's an enterprise that is serving uh, uh, consumers. Um, so you can have one, Boost is one, could have Boost one, Boost two, Boost three, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, uh, my, my job is to offer them uh, services that allow to have a new consumer experience. And there are tons of things that you can do around consumer experiences. You, you can enhance the mobility. Uh, today in the US, the mobility is uh, sub uh, par compared to what you have in, uh, in Japan or Korea or other places. And there's still much more to do in mobility management, in av- giving people access in their home, in their uh, enterprise, when they go to a, a mall or whatever, in a very um, um, seamless manner. So that's one thing on which we're working. And of course, because um, we have an open architecture, because we can observe everything, we can steer the traffic and steer the user experience in a much better way and give the keys of that uh, traffic steering to Boost and others. But you can also, when you, when you have an, a cloud native uh, architecture and uh, you can mix the customer experience, the security, the, uh, all the consumption with the customer experience and allow them to shape their own uh, experience, which today you can't do. You, today you buy a SIM card, you just have access, right? But right. if you want to tie that uh, to much more advanced things like security, data protection, like, um, um, you know, even cost control, um, maybe it's hard. And um, the, our network allows us to open up a lot of new services. So it will take time, but I think it will help redefine the user experience in the next coming years um, of, the, of the consumers uh, using new 5G services. Do you, as a follow-up, Mark, so... You know, there's some obvious low-hanging fruit from a consumer perspective, like low-latency mobile gaming to power, you know, experiences. And Anshul is going to talk about AR and VR in his next question. He's our resident expert at the firm. But I mean, do you do you use that low-latency gaming and maybe slicing a part of the public network to deliver that and monetize that as an opportunity for Dish? Yeah, you're right. I've I've not talked about uh, latency and uh, slicing yet. And these are the the the, the basic. Uh, capabilities of a 5G network. So because we are greenfield, of course, we're engineering our network uh, with a low, very low latency and the capability to have uh, gaming at the edge or, or video recognition or a lot of uh, cool stuff or um, uh, you know managing machines or robots at the edge. Um, so for us, it, it was very easy to invest into an edge network at the same time that we were doing the open RAN. So we've been... Uh, Lucky enough, you know, everybody's is debating, should I invest in the edge or not? Should I? What is the business case? We didn't have to ask ourselves because we went uh, into the edge for the run. And as a result, we have an edge Kubernetes uh, uh, network where we can put all sorts of payloads, like you mentioned. So, yeah, it's going to open up. But again, Dish is not trying to invent the, the use case, the killer application. We're trying to give the keys to the people who know. 
you know, the gamers, uh, the healthcare people, the people that are flying drones, the people that are making new sorts of movies. We want to give them APIs and services so that they can invent, try, uh, fail, succeed, um, learn from their audience, and then uh, emerge as winners in the market. That's really what we're trying to do, empower uh, innovators. No, that makes perfect sense. All right, Anshul, you're next. Mark, my coverage as an analyst includes XR and the metaverse. Beyond what we've seen from AT&T and Verizon and proof of concepts, do you envision any compelling applications on the enterprise side that can be brought to market soon? Yeah, well, you, you said soon, right? Uh, I don't know how soon. Uh, it all depends on um, the investment um, in the market. But yes, we, um, I mean, for me, augmented intelligence is really the thing, right? So what, what is augmented intelligence? You are doing a job. And in order to do that job, um, you, have, you, you may consume more data or more information to do that job in a better way. That's what I call augmented intelligence. And augmented intelligence is fueled by AI, machine learning, and tons of data observability. So um, the thing that is extraordinary, and, and, and for me, this is as an engineer, I just love it. Because we see everything, we can observe everything in the, in the network, just like in the cloud. We see um, all the, the traffic, the behaviors, and then you can tune and expose that data. Um, you can expose the data to um, you know, people that are controlling machines, people that are controlling drones, people that are controlling uh, factories. And then uh, we all know that if you have the right data in the right format, then of course you can make faster decisions and better decisions. So yeah, I think um, in, the, in the domain of the competitiveness of enterprises, factories, transport, logistics, um, hospitality, we are going to see a lot of uh, investment in what I call augmented intelligence uh, with the form, it could be on a screen or it could be uh, uh, with uh, Google's or virtual reality, but it's just the way you consume it. But augmented intelligence that is going to make those enterprises much more competitive. And uh, when they are competitive, then it would push their market. You know, if a hospital, hospital or if a casino is getting much more uh, competitive because the people that are driving it have more data, then of course, it's going to change the market. It's going to disrupt the market. And then we, we will see investments. Great. Thank you. Yeah, this has been a great conversation, Mark. I've, I've got a final question for you before we wrap up, and it's pretty broad, but you sort of touched on the, the greenfield you know, nature of what, of what DISH is doing. And I'm wondering, is that going to provide potentially DISH a competitive advantage over the more established incumbents that are, you know, they're, they're having to build from, you know, legacy networks and they're having to do the transition from, you know, non-standalone to standalone. I'm just wondering, do you envision any sort of advantages from an agility perspective or service delivery perspective? Yeah, I, I like to say that, uh, um, you know, we are going to build a, a telco network that will innovate at the speed of the cloud. And um, I have been in the, on the telco side for decades and I, I, I have seen the cloud moving much faster. You know, my competitors are very smart. They have a lot of great ideas. I see it, I watch what they do and I learn from them every day. But the problem is that they, they have this heavyweight legacy problem where their data is siloed, their organization is siloed, their, their knowledge base is not in the cloud. So they have to do so much uh, heavy lifting in order to come to the cloud. Um, so, and they have to invest so much more than us. So that's very hard. And um, so, yeah, they, they are going to have this, uh, this 
transformation ahead of them. But again, they have the intelligence, they understand the things that need to be done, they have the visibility, but it's so much work. And when I was at Nokia, you know, we I was seeing that it was so heavy and hard, despite the fact you knew what you had to do. And here, you know, I I, I feel that I'm the lucky one. I am on the side where, well, I don't have that heavy lifting. All, all the I can consume it. And uh, I've been, you know, I've been dreaming of uh, that transformation. And now when I see what we're doing with the core in the network in the cloud, I am I am so excited. It's so much faster than even my best dreams. It's so much easier. Um, it's 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 almost unfair if you if you don't have it. So yeah, I, but I enjoy it. I truly enjoy the the cloud and the, the speed of the innovation. Yeah, I think from my perspective, having a clean slate and being able to build from the ground up. I mean, it just seems to me that um, it's just going to open opportunities for you know improved agility and that sort of thing. You're not having to deal with the legacy infrastructure, but certainly your competitors in this market. I mean, they're they're very strong. They all have their superpowers and. Um, but it's great to have Dish uh, in the mix now. I mean, I believe competition breeds innovation. And, you know, I've really enjoyed spending time with you. We spent time together at Mobile World Congress, and this has been another great conversation. Just want to thank you again for, uh, for joining the podcast. And Anshul, why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will's at Will Town Tech, and I'm at Anshel Sog. Thanks again to Dish Wireless' Mark Rowan for joining us for an insightful conversation. Thank you.